the great thing about decisive action is that more often than not, you can course correct. And that's a big lesson learned from the SEAL teams. If you freeze and you freeze for too long, it can mean loss of life. It can mean loss of mission. It can be you lose the battle. You have to take decisive action and then you can course correct. But if you're just sitting still, it's like that, you know, the train that's not leaving the station. He's just sitting there. You got to build the momentum or the the ship that's in the harbor. He's not going anywhere. You just got to set sail. And at that point, then you can course correct and you can make some, some fine tuning adjustments. But at some point, if you feel something that you feel like is something you're supposed to do, you can't get it off your mind and it just fires you up. Well, that's a sign that maybe you should go down that path. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Obviously, my name is Scott. You've heard me before. If you haven't, well, now you are. Uh, Today, I have with me Josiah Kaufman. Josiah is a former Navy SEAL operator with 11 years of active duty service. And uh, hey, what I love about him, of course, is his experience, his service, but he's a father of two boys. He's been married for 14 years, and he's the founder of the Warrior Calling Elite Performance, which we are going to get into. Everybody is fascinated about Navy SEALs and BUDS and all of the things that go into that. And Josiah probably has a lot of things that you want to hear. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks. I appreciate that, Scott. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, we can definitely dig into that. I've got a lot to talk about as far as training and experience in the SEAL teams, brother. So that's, let's, that's, I'm excited, yeah. man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on every, like I, I never, I never served. It just wasn't something I was even on my radar. And so guys like me love listening to what it's like. We live a little vicariously through and everybody I talk to is like, well, you don't, good. You didn't need to learn. You didn't want to go through what I went through. And I'm like, well, I don't know. It's kind of right. Like a man rite of passage, I think for us on the outside think it is, but I hope you're okay with this. You, you just came on and said, you know, you lose, you lose friends, They're, you know, yeah. suicide and people mm-hmm. taking their own life. And that's a reality. And uh, yeah. I don't think any of us want to go through that. I've been through it once with a really, really great friend recently yeah. and it was quite destructive in my own life handling that i can't imagine it happening multiple times so i'm sorry to hear that man yeah it is a part of becoming a, a warrior going into the, any type of military service it's just you know at some point it's going to happen you're not quite sure when and to whom but it's it does it does hit you hard and then when say the anniversary comes up of one of your buddies passing away then it's it hits you again but that is that is part of serving, and a lot of times it's just something you have to work through. And so, yeah, if it happens, it happens. And I try my best to be there to support my brothers, and because it happens way too often with the suicides, mm-hmm. and guys get out of the military and they don't quite know how to take on that next mission in life. A lot of times, it's it's tough for them, man. It really is. Yeah, I think it's something most people just can't understand. It seems to me what I'm hearing from you and have heard from others is that it is such a different way of operating. You're used to missions. You're used to like, this is what you do. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of camaraderie built in. And then you're just kind of like fed back to the wolves of non-aligned schedules and mm-hmm. chaos. And you have to search out people to hang out with instead of doing missions and and 
being with them all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then also just battling the demons of whatever you had to go through. Yeah, it's true. So the in the SEAL teams, especially, or any type of special forces unit, it's so tight knit as well. So you have this this tight bond with everybody there. And when you decide to move on from that, it's it's like you're losing a part of yourself. And that was one of the reasons that brought me back to what I'm doing now is helping guys prepare for a service in the SEAL teams or special forces because I can't seem to like do a hard cut and say, hey, that was that chapter of my life and I'm moving on to the next thing. So you got still got a part of your, of your body and your heart in the teams, even when you decide it's not active duty time and you decide to move on, man, it's still hard to completely break free from from that and the, the brotherhood. So I, I think it's, it is especially challenging for guys who serve in some type of special forces or SEAL team capacity moving on beyond that into civilian world. That's it's something that I was not prepared for. Let me just say that I would mm. say the the biggest challenge. I mean, the military is a challenge, especially if you go through training. You want to be a SEAL. That's especially challenging. Being a SEAL operator is a, cha- is a challenge. But the biggest thing that I found in my life that was one of the hardest things for me to work through was that transition. Just going through that point of deciding to get out, pulling the trigger on that, and then actually integrating back into you know, civilian world society, trying to find my new purpose. I uh, don't say that I have it figured out quite. I'm still working on it, but man, it's, it is a big shift of you have your mission, you have your purpose, you go out there and, and you're working with the best humans in the world. And then you decide to move on from that. And life de- definitely takes a lot of different turns for you. And it's definitely the biggest challenge that I've ever faced, especially having the family too. Yeah. trying to navigate that and where to live. And it's, it's been interesting. Absolutely. A lot of men, non-military and military really struggle with identity. Like yeah. they really, I latch their identity onto what they do for work, who they're associated with, who they hang out with, what college they went to, what team they're on. And I would imagine you're, you're basically upping that notch to the hundredth degree when you're in a tight unit, especially like in special forces, I would imagine that that just exacerbates that. And then that's literally stripped from you with zero transitional like support. In my understanding, it's just like, here you go off to the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's not much. So they have transition programs, especially for SEAL team members. So when you're getting out, they have these programs you go through and you can become a part of, and they do their very best to find you the opportunities and the jobs. But a lot of times, a lot of it's just trial and error, what you're doing. So I, I literally, when I was 17, I knew I wanted to be a SEAL. And for three years I trained, I went, went to college for a couple of years, but when I was 20, I went through buds, became a SEAL at 21. So all through my twenties and into my mid thirties, I was an operator and that was all I knew. That was my world. So if you were to just say, I'm cutting that off completely, mid thirties, deciding to move on. Uh, that's a big part of your growing years. And, and when you're developing your professional skills and most people in their twenties are trying to get that, that job that they can support their family or however they want to move forward in life. And when you decide to get out and all you've been is an operator for that amount of time, and it's, Hey, you don't have retirement because you're getting out at 10 or 11 years or before 20, you have to figure out right away how to take care of your family. And they try real hard to help you integrate and help you go through all these different courses and, 
and coaching and mentors and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's still a trial and error experience because you don't know a whole lot, especially for myself. I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have much experience prior to signing up for the Navy. And that was literally all I knew for, for many years. So then cut, getting out of that was, okay, well, now let's finish my college degree. Okay, that, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do anything that had to do with my college degree. Uh, try doing real estate. Try doing you know, finance. I worked in real estate, uh, you know, doing market research, um, sales, door-to-door salesman. I worked at a restoration company. Uh, I was an intern at Goldman Sachs. I literally, if you had the, did everything you're supposed to do, basically fixed my LinkedIn. I did my resume, uh, and it was a disaster between basically 2017 to 2019. I was bouncing from job to job and, uh, it was, it was a rough point. That's for sure. That's really what most people do like 17, 18, 19, 20, like maybe they go to college in between there, but they're still doing that like job. They're kind of, you know, searching the world. They're searching Mm -hmm. for where they kind of are going to land or trying things out. And here you are, you went straight from high school to active duty to like now you're, what'd you say, 30 years old or late twenties and you're trying this out and it's probably super weird. Yeah, it was odd. I, I, (laughs) Going because the last job I had I was a second phase instructor at Bud, so I was putting guys through pool comp, working hell weeks, just basically putting guys through the pipeline at Buds. I did that for four years, and so working at second phase, you're always running, gunning, you're in the water, you're spending half your day in the pool. And then the next job I had was working as an intern in Goldman Sachs, uh, sitting in front of a computer for ten hours. That's and I was like, you know, deer in the headlights. This is not quite what I want to do. This is not quite what I had in mind. Uh, but the urgency of you have to land a job because you have a wife and a son and you, you know we want to have more kids at some point. You have to figure out that job. It's the next mission. Whether you want to do it or not, you have to bring money in so you can feed the family. You can have a roof over your heads. And so it was, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this internship. And I landed the internship. Uh, didn't work out for me though. I didn't get the job after the internship. Uh, I happened to be in the UK at the time. My wife was finishing her master's degree in England. And so I got the internship at at that point, right after my transition out of the military. But it was a really big eye-opening experience for me. It said, you know what? I don't think I can do this sitting in front of a computer for the 10 hours. I thought I had learned my lesson though, which wasn't quite true. I had finished the internship. We moved back to California any of any of my plans that I had getting out were just were gone. I finished my degree in cybersecurity, which I didn't want to, to do anything that had to do with right. cybersecurity, but I I finished the degree. Uh, I finally landed a job doing restoration and sales back in my hometown in Central Coast, California, and it was just one of those things. You got I was basically starting from from scratch at that point. We had pretty much like four grand in the bank. I had uh, two cars that we were making payments on. We were renting a house that we did, couldn't afford. Uh, was 800 square feet. Um, we had a baby on the way, and we had a three-year-old. So you know, you could. I was in this like, okay, we had some money. We went to the, went to England. I finished my college degree. I did the internship, but at this point, everything's gone. We have four grand 
and we're in massive debt. Uh, two years out of getting out of the military, being a Navy SEAL, uh, thinking that I could crush things, thinking I could move on quickly. And it, it was it was a urgent point in my life. And I finally landed a job doing sales. And I was doing literally door-to-door sales uh, for a restoration company. I even worked as a person that would come into a house to do restoration with these like 18, 19 year old kids. We would clean out hoarders houses. Like we would do all the, the, the dirty work mm. as a, as a restoration, you know, technician basically. And I was starting from nothing at that point, starting from nothing. Um, but I had to do something. I had to, I had to bring in money so I could support the family. Uh, I know I'm, the next thing really was just, I got to find something that's going to pay better. And I ended up, a contact I had from San Diego said, Hey, we have this job in real estate and uh, this is an opportunity for you. We know you have zero experience in real estate, but they gave me an opportunity. They gave me a shot. They said, Hey, you're bringing a lot of other skills to the table that you learned while you're in the SEAL teams. And we want that to be part of our team. And we're going to train you up. We're going to start you out as a consultant. And that really, I'm super grateful for that experience. Because they gave me a chance, they did. They took a risk on me, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that's huge for guys getting out of the military. Is like they just need an opportunity. If you can give them an opportunity, they have a lot of great skills to bring to the table, but a lot of them just don't have. They haven't been working through their twenties in that field necessarily, uh, and they're trying to start over. And it's so it was huge blessing to have that job. So that was that was a big thing for me. And in the future, I'm hoping to do that for somebody else too. Is like, hey, you know what? You gave your service to the country. Here's an opportunity for you. Run with it. We know you're not the best. You're not like coming out of college with with all the skills and know how to master the Excel spreadsheets, but you have a lot of skills to bring the table. And I'm super grateful for that experience. So that was that was big for me coming out and finally landing my first like it was 2019 at this point. Got out in 2017. Finally landed the the job of uh, working in real estate. And uh, it was another eye-opening experience for me, which yeah. which I ended up moving on from as well. Um, it was, you know, the, there's going to be so many points in life where you're going to have to shift and transition. You're going to have to be adaptable. And I think that is one skill I did learn in the SEAL teams that has served me well is that you have to be adaptable. You have to change with the times. I I see a lot of people who they come out and they that's all they know is one thing. Mm-hmm. And they just keep falling back to that, falling back to it. And I think there's something to that. You should be giving back what you already have. At the same time, you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to adjust and you're going to have to adapt. Whether you like it or not, because the world changes, it's not going to always be the same. Yeah, I think that speaks to so many different scenarios because a lot of guys will go to college or or do the path that they think they're supposed to do and they get there and like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, or I'm horrible at this or like, it's not right for me, whatever the case is. So, all right. So you're now you're into this real estate. How long did that last for you? I did that for one full year Okay, and this is 2020. So I, I, I got the job in 2019 in December, 2019, um, moved to San Diego. And we bought a house and we were basically starting from scratch. We, uh, we were able to purchase a home in San Diego late 2019. And then we basically, I worked there through 2020, but halfway through the year, this is during the pandemic, 
Right. Uh, things went kind of crazy. My boss that was right above me, one of my managers got let go from the real estate job. And I was, that was middle of 2020. And I was saying, Hey, you know what? This actually might not be viable for me in the future. I don't know exactly how long this job is going to last. So I finally had landed my, my secure job. And then there's it getting shaky again and you know, stressing out about how I'm going to, how am I going to support the family and everything? So I, I, I kept having the back of my mind that I want to be a coach. I want to help guys. I want to train guys to be Navy SEALs. That was, it's always been my passion. I loved being a second phase instructor. I love teaching guys, helping them go basically learn how to dive, putting them through pool comp and helping them master their fears in the, under the water and then teaching them combat swimmer. Basically everything I had done in the SEAL teams and brought that to the instructor uh, side. And I just loved it. So when I was doing the real estate behind the scenes, like at night, I was basically building a coaching program Nice. and I was, I was basically doing that in my free time, which wasn't much because we had just, <laughs> we just had a baby. I was working about nine to 10 hours doing real estate every day. I was working from home, which was nice, but I had to build my coaching program at night. So at night I was filming zoom calls, doing zoom calls. I was doing um, writing programming fitness programming. Mm -hmm. And I was, I ha actually had guys reaching out to me. They found out I was a former SEAL and former BUDS instructor, and they wanted to actually prepare for BUDS the right way. And so the program was kind of developing on it on its own and the coaching product was developing on its own, but I was in that nine to five job, which was maxing out my entire day. I did not have any extra time to actually do the coaching. So after the end of 2020, I actually called my boss and said, Hey, he was the one that actually gave me the opportunity to do the job. And he's the one that uh, gave me the opportunity and took the risk on me. I called him up. I said, Hey, this is a great, a great job. However, I'm not, I don't feel like this is my calling. I don't feel like this is my purpose. I feel like there's something different for me and I'm going to have to move on at the end of 2020, which is the hardest thing for me to do. I'd finally got my job to support the family. And then one year in, I did the thing that I, that most people would say you're an idiot to do in the middle of the pandemic, people are losing their jobs. And I decided to quit on my own to go all in to coach guys to become Navy SEALs. And <clears throat> people are wondering what the heck I'm doing. Y you know, because yeah. it's like everything you're doing right now is, a, is not, doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. But to me, it was the only answer for me that I had to do this. I had to, if I wanted to go all in and really make this thing, what I felt like it should become, I'm going to have to quit my nine to five. So there's another big leap of faith at that point too. How did your wife handle that? Uh, she, um, she saw the opportunity and she saw my, my passion for it. And I also think we've at that point, we've been married for 12 years. And so there's a lot of trust built and she knows that once I set my mind to something, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I'm just going to figure it out. Um, I had hired a coach too to help me get to that point of being able to pull the trigger on going all in on this and quitting my nine to five. So I had a couple people in my corner doing this and then the rest of it was all just on me making it happen. But she was supportive doing the whole thing. She said, Hey, this is what you want to do. This is what you feel like we need to do. Let's make it happen. And she's been supportive through the entire process, which is, I mean, it's such a huge blessing. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, this is something I talk a lot about is, is 
creating a foundation relationship with your wife so that you can have those opportunities. So there's trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my entire, well, this most of my marriage. And at first that was not an easy thing for her, but that foundation sounds like you built a, a trusting relationship. I love that you just went all in. And I love that you went against really what traditional, traditional advice might've been. There's several things I want to point that I think people need to hear. One, you tried a bunch of stuff first. You tried the regular path. You understood yourself. You found help through coaches and then you went for it. You were all in, you burned your boats. Mm -hmm. Like I'm here, boats are burned. I'm going to, I'm going to either win this battle or I'm going to go down fighting it. And I think that's, that's huge. I'm sure you learned some of that from your, your active military, but quite honestly, there's no reason any man can't take that on. It's true. I think if you really can dig deep and you find what you truly want, you can, anybody can do this. They can find that why, find their mission, find their purpose. And that's literally what it's going to take though. It's going to take you going all in. I think some people want to do multiple things and they feel like they can uh, kind of split their attention or they can maybe try things out here and there. But at some point, if you feel like it's it, this is the way, you're going to have to make a shift. You're going to have to go all in. And I feel like it's okay to do that. But you're going to have to understand there's going to be a point where you might be working two jobs. You might be even working three different different things at the same time. And it's not going to be fun. Like when I was working my nine to five and then building the coaching at night, I was, I was in the garage till late at night filming videos and writing programming. And then on the weekends, I was doing calls and bringing in clients. And that was just the reality for about six months. And it was insane. Uh, I would not want to do that again because I was extremely tired during that time. However, it's that pressure cooker of time is what's going to be necessary in order for you to break free. A lot of people say, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to cut off the nine to five, man. I just want to move on. And some people do it too soon. And some people don't ever do it at all, but you're going to have to, at some point, if you feel called to do something, you feel like you want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you're going to have to cut ties and you're going to have to go all in. Uh, I think the being a former operator, former SEAL, I've seen a lot of SEALs and special forces guys, basically from the soft community, mm-hmm. be great entrepreneurs because they think outside the box and they're not going to, there's the transition programs that are great for a lot of military, but I've seen a lot of SEALs come out of those programs and they'd be like, Okay, this is great, but a lot of the a lot of these people that want to hire the SEALs, that want to hire the former special forces guys, they want this like plug and play type of a role. And the special forces guys or the SEALs are just like, hey, I see way different ways to do this, and their mind doesn't quite work in the same way. Uh, that's why the SEAL team is so effective, is because you have an E five somebody who's a very low ranking SEAL, and you have the lieutenant in a platoon. And they both have an opinion in the same room and everybody's voices are heard before you go out on a mission, before you take, take action that everybody has a say. And so with that brotherhood built with that trust built, it really allows you to think outside the box and be very effective because as a sealed platoon, you only have so many guys on the battlefield. You're not going to have a whole battalion. Many of the missions that I went on, we literally had four seals that were out doing the mission and then coming back doing mini sub ops. And when you have that, just such a few amount of guys out there on a mission, you have to trust every single one. 
And you're going to have to think outside the box because you're not going to be told what to do when things go south. You have to think on your feet. So seeing the transition programs are great, but a lot of times as a former operator, it's just hard to plug and play. It's just difficult. So that's why I say, hey, if you were a former operator, if you did that, check, feel if you want to be an entrepreneur. If there's something that fires you up, go down that path. Now you might have to get that nine to five first so you can pay the bills. But if there's something else you want to do, then you got to be building that on the side. And that's something that's been a big lesson learned for me. Yeah. I talk to a lot of people about like, they'll say, well, how have you been successful in business? I'm like a ridiculous amount of work. And it may seem like you're successful and you've just been, you know, walked right into it. But the truth is, is what you experienced working full time and then working nights and weekends is literally what it takes to do your own thing and break free. I mean, unless you're just independently wealthy or you have a big cash reserve. And I don't even think that typically works because you don't develop that work ethic and that mindset of I have to do whatever it takes so I don't sink. And this is the only way. And hey, the way through is directly through and I call it seasons of grind. So anytime I'm like building my business or or building up my book of business or whatever the case may be, it's like, okay, I need to get to the next level. It's literally focus time. And sure, I am very good at putting aside family time, but it's long hours, very direct, very intensive. And I think the outside world doesn't see that. They see the sexy part of open, owning a business or doing coaching or whatever. And you know, you had a coach, which probably helped a lot. And I've seen way too many people cut the ties way too early. They're like, hey, I'm leaving my job. I'm like, you have one client. Yeah. What's your plan? Yeah. Like, he's just not going to be do it. Yeah, you have to be okay with it being crazy. And there's no, you don't exactly know the timeline either. Right. So you're going to have to have the grit, which a lot of people don't have. They maybe don't have the work ethic or they have never had to, to really grind at something for a long amount of time. And that's, that might be what it's going to take. And yeah, it's, it might not be sexy, but it's going to, at some point, if you, if you're really listening to other people, you're getting the mentorship, you're getting the coaching, they're going to help you fast track that process. So when I hired my coach, this was mid 2020, I was, well, we had just purchased a home. This is the middle of a in San Diego, a, by the in way. San Diego was, uh, we were not making enough to, <laughs> I don't know how we got the, the house. In any case, uh, we, we, I hired this coach and it was a very expensive mentor and coach. Um, I did not have the money. I put it on a credit card and just, I, I took the leap and it, that was, it, that's what it might take for some people too. It, it might seem crazy and, but you're going to have to do something different that other people aren't willing to do. And that's It's going to take risk and being in the SEAL teams, you're going to face a ton of risk. Pretty much everything you're doing has a certain amount of risk to it. But if you have the vision, if you have the, the know-how, if you know the person to go to and you have the goal at hand and you know exactly where you're headed or you have a vision of where you want to head, at some point you should you should pull that trigger and do it. Because I think there's too many people who, who sit back and they say, hey, I'm just going to kind of wait for things to happen. Nothing's going to fall on your lap. You're going to have to make it happen. That, that is a huge lesson learned for me too. Just take action, take the messy action because it's going to be messy and be okay with it. The first video I did for my my clients was terrible. 
absolutely horrible. Like they're still pretty bad. I'm still learning, right? I'm, I, I am trying to get better and it's okay to take the messy action because you have to take the messy action in order to get to, to the good stuff and the good stuff will be there and it is there, but it might take some time to build that, but you got to go through the beginning stages first and be okay with it not being perfect <laughs> be okay with that. Yeah. Qu- quick messy action is a really hard thing to get across to people because you, it, it's just not intuitive. No. It's intuitive to someone like me. I'm like, Hey, there's something I'm going to go. F- there's a target. I'm going like ready, fire, aim. Like that's my thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I think it's served me well. Of course, then I've been off course and done things that were a complete waste of time. So I think there's a fine balance, but some people are like, well, how do I even get started, started with my podcast? You start podcasting. Well, I don't want to suck. You're going to suck. Like you're probably going to suck for a hundred episodes, maybe more. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And guess what? The only way to get there is through the only way through is through mm-hmm. just go and do just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that message. Yeah, it's okay to be messy, but you're going to have to take decisive action. And the the great thing about decisive action is that more often than not, you can course correct. And that's a big lesson learned from the SEAL teams. If you freeze and you freeze for too long, it can mean loss of life. It can mean loss of mission. It can be you lose the battle. You have to take decisive action and then you can course correct. But if you're just sitting still, it's like that, you know, the train that's not leaving the station. He's just sitting there. You got to build the momentum or the the ship that's in the harbor. He's not going anywhere. You just got to set sail. And at that point, then you can course correct and you can make some some fine tuning adjustments. But at some point, if you feel something that you feel like is something you're supposed to do, you can't get it off your mind and it just fires you up. Well, that's a sign that maybe you should go down that path or at least dig into it. And then find somebody who's doing that, that similar type of thing as you or somebody who has achieved what you're looking to achieve and say, hey, how, how'd you do this? Let's learn. I need to learn. I know nothing. That's what I told my coach. I said, hey, I don't know anything. And he took me from nothing to quitting my job in six months because I went all in and I listened to everything he said. And that's just, it's okay. It's okay to do. It's going to be scary. It's, it's going to be very scary. But yeah, we, I quit the job in 2020. In 2021, we brought in client after client after client, and I've been working with most people right now are training for buds that I'm working with. Uh, there's quite a few, I would say 70% are training for buds. There's a good group of just training for uh, like SWIC, the boat drivers. We have some guys training for Army Ranger. We have uh, some guys actually overseas that we're training right now for the Frogman Corps in Denmark. And then we have guys training for Army Special Forces. And that it's extremely rewarding to work with these types of people because they're, most of them are already very driven and they want, they want to achieve their, their purpose and calling and they want to do the extra steps. They want to go the extra mile in their training. And those are the type of people I want to work with. I don't really want to work with people who don't really want it. So um, finding the high achievers, the high performers that's, that's what I'm searching for. Those are the type of people that I want to work with because then I'll go the extra mile with them and be basically be their mentor through the whole process, getting them ready, getting them trained up and ready to, ready to pull the trigger for themselves. I love that. You said several key takeaways. I think anybody considering a business should, should look into 
you said who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. Those are some of the biggest things I had to learn. And as soon as I figured that out and put aside fear that there's not enough people that I want to work with and there's too many people I don't want to work with that I just have to take the people I don't want to work with, that was the that was like self-destruction mode. As soon as I'm like, no, no. If you if you're here, if this resonates with you, then let's go. Right. And then getting rid of that fear of the no's and just latching onto the yeses with the right people or what catapults pulse business. So I'm sure that's really, really beneficial to you knowing who you want to work with, who you don't want to work with. And it's just, the other one is I just kind of keep going back to the fact you had a coach. I mean, you are a coach and how do you do something you've never done before? You latch yourself onto someone who's done it successfully. It's literally, that's literally the, that is the shortcut in life. It's not a shortcut, but that's the hack. It is. Yeah. It's a, it's simple, honestly, but it, it, especially for some guys, it's just hard to ask. It's hard to say, Hey, you know, he's somebody I look up to. I'm actually going to ask them if they can train me and coach me. And that's, it takes some humility to say, I know nothing, but I'm willing to work any hours. I'm working, I'm willing to work hard because I have a vision of what I want to achieve. And that's something else too, is finding that new North star and finding the vision. I think that was something else for me too, is I grew up with a a limited mindset on money and wealth and what, what I can achieve in life. And I think that was another big thing with having somebody else who, who has made some money um, and being okay with making money was really important for me to break through. And I know it kind of sounds crazy, but you have a cap a lot of times on how much you can make in a month or in a year. And it's just like this internal belief that you're only allowed to make X amount of money. Um, And that having a coach, And being in like a mastermind environment allowed me to sit kind of break free from my little world that I knew before the military and while I was in the military and say, hey, that is that is just that. But now my whole world is open up. These people are are having huge impact in the world. They're just like me, but they just have their limiting beliefs that they have about money and impact have been dissolved and they're able to, to help more people and the right types of people. So that was another big thing that I've been working through still is just, Hey, you know, it's okay to make some money because the more money you make, the more impact you can have in the world. And that's what I want ultimately is not just help people that want to be Navy SEALs, but really expand out to help, help more people that really want to just become better versions of themselves. I think that that's a real shift. That's really hard for, you know, I grew up with money fear, really serious money fear and, and a lot of ideals and, beliefs around money that were really self-destructive and you really nailed it. It's it's like my, my impact could be measured by a lot of money, but it's more about my impact. The money's just evidence of that impact. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you have to get over that. And it's really hard to work through people with that. Like we do, we, we literally, people say get into business because you don't have a glass ceiling. Well, the glass ceiling is actually your, your own limiting beliefs. So those aren't just going to naturally go away if you start your own business. You also said something that that struck a little chord with me, good and bad, was you talked about passion. And I think passion is way, way, way overused. And so I, I know that you probably have the right mindset, but I would, I'll talk to I, one friend of mine. He's like, well, I'm just not passionate about doing that. And I'm like, hey, here's the deal. If you would have said, Scott, are you passionate about passionate about placing virtual assistants with business owners. I've been, no, like there's nothing about that is awesome. 
But what I found is I found passion in what I was doing. I found passion in the, the, the help that I'm giving business owners, the leverage I'm giving them. And the, and I'm passionate about actually working with them and helping them specifically through coaching and guidance to reach new levels in their business. That's what I'm passionate about. So I found my passion in the purpose in all of that. It's not necessarily, you know, what I was doing. I used, I, I love mountain biking. I love road biking. I love cycling. I love being a bicycle mechanic. So I opened a bike shop. That was my very first business. And honestly that I was passionate about it. But what I warm guys on is like, understand now you're tying work to something that has always been play. And there's danger in that. So where do you draw that line? Because you talk about passion, and it, it li- that literally killed passion for me for cycling mm-hmm. for years because I just got burned out. So where where do you kind of like define that passion? Because I think that could be misconstrued really quickly. Yeah. So for me, so it's my own perspective on this. So if I, I think I had this, the transition out of the military was a lot of trial and error of trying to figure things out. And I did a, basically the whole year that I was in the UK after I got out was a lot of soul searching and I was doing a lot of reading. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a ton of books and while I was in the military, I had a limited viewpoint on what other people can do for me. I had this mindset that I want to experience life. I want to be kind of the master of my life and I want to go where I want to go. I don't want to read this biography or hear from this guy or that person because I want to experience myself. That was my mindset in the military. So it was a very limited mindset. And when I got out, it was like, okay, that this mindset, this limited mindset you have on the world and your impact and your passion, purpose, all that stuff, it's not serving you this current view of, of everything. So you're going to have to break free from that. So I spent that full year, I was doing the internship and I was basically in a a very condensed year. I was just studying and learning about myself. I did a lot of journaling and I did a lot of listening to podcasts and audibles and a lot of walks and runs and just really learning about myself. And I don't, I know not everybody has that, that opportunity when they get out of the service to have some really focused time on finding out who they are, but that was massive for me. And so, yes, when you're talking about passion, it might not be the actual job that you're moving into. So like the bikes, I used to shoot bows. I was an archer growing up. I was, I I taught, I taught a small group of guys how to shoot and I was an archery instructor and that, you know, that's my, my passion. I love shooting. However, now I'm not going to be an archery instructor. I want, that's still my passion, but I'm not going to turn that into my job. I think if you find that thing that it's going to be, you're going to find that passion with something. I think every guy is going to find some type of purpose, passion, calling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But you're going to have to figure out what is, how am I going to deliver on that? And I think it just manifests differently for everybody. So the, it's not the actual deed that you're doing necessarily. That's the passion. That's the calling, but it's what's that, what's that all encompassing? What's happening? What's the mission with that? And it took me that full year to really find out a lot about myself trial and error after that for the next couple of years and then aligning myself with who I am and then what is it I want to give back in the world, the impact I want to make was able to then land on, okay, I have this experience. I was a SEAL, was an instructor. Okay. How can I take that experience and then 
transfer that over and help more people. And it did align. It aligned well with turning that into a coaching business. I know it doesn't always happen that way with everybody. So if you're a pilot in the Air Force, you know, you can't just come out necessarily and, and just say, hey, I'm going to train guys to be pilots unless you want to be an instructor, right? There's all kinds of different ways you can go with this. But there, at everybody, I feel, this is my, this is my uh, thought on this, is everybody has something that's driving them. That, that's their purpose or calling their mission. It might take you a bit, though, to dig into that and really have some self-reflection. The, the guys that are able to step back and cut off the distractions and really self-reflect, journal, listen to other people, but really get some quiet time to really figure out who they are, what fires them up. There's something to that. Be okay with digging into that for a little bit and finding out where that might lead you and maybe just open your mind to that. I don't know if that answers that question, but that's the path that I found works for me. Well, and it's very similar to my path. I think we have to go on a path of self-discovery. Some people like just have this self-awareness. It's kind of built in. But then there's those of us that really have to go and search it. Mm-hmm. And whatever that path is for you, I think it's incredibly important. But I think the biggest key of it is a lot of time and introspection and not not always surrounding yourself in noise. Yeah. And you know, you talked about going on runs and like for me, it's I'm out on a rock. That's where my brain starts to work Mm. or I'm driving somewhere or I'm, there's no one else around. That's really what it comes down to is like I, in usually physical activity, it's like, that's when my brain starts to go into this. Okay. What do I want? What is it going to take? What is my, what is my true calling? What do I believe? What do I not believe? Where am I going to anchor myself? All of those things come from those types of opportunities where you slow down. You do. I mean, maybe you're doing fast stuff, but you're slowing down. You're, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And it does come through the physical as far as I've seen as well. Yeah. If you, I think everybody wants to podcasts are huge. I love podcasts and that's great in listening to everybody else and learning. And that's awesome. But at some point you got to tap into who you are and find mm-hmm. out who you are and listen and get quiet. Uh, turn off the music, turn off the audible, turn off everything and just learn a little bit about yourself. And then on the passion and purpose and calling aspect of this too, is it might not be uh, something that like, Hey, this is the exact person that I need to become. Right. I think our calling and our purpose adapts and changes as we go through life. Uh, I'm you know, I'm mid thirties, I'm 37. And I feel like I learned a little bit of about myself as I've gotten out of the military, especially and and really gone through this journey. And the more that I'm doing it, I'm realizing that your calling and your purpose in life is really something that's going to flex and change with, with your chapters of life and be okay with that because it ain't going to always be the same thing. So when you become a SEAL, you go through training, you go through the fire of buds and into SQT, SEAL qualification training, you get your trident and you go to your team. It's so clear. Like this is, I felt like this is who I am. This is my identity. This is my mission, my calling. It's so crystal clear. But at some point, it doesn't matter if you, you know, whatever you decide to do and that's what you become, it doesn't mean you're probably not going to do that for the rest of your life, more than likely. So that means you can't, if you were to get out in 10 years and you were a SEAL, well, it doesn't mean your calling has ended. There's got to be something else. There's got to be another purpose and calling or path for you to go down. And so I think that's also something to be okay with is, understand you're going to, you're, you're going to grow and change. 
and your calling, your purpose, your trajectory in life will change and be okay with that. Because if you're trying to live in the past the whole time, uh, you're going to be very unhappy. You have to move on from whatever it is you're doing. There's going to be seasons and chapters of life. Um, and you can't always do the, the thing all the time. Or like Olympic athletes, right? Or a professional athletes. At some point, they're going to stop their career and do the next thing. And it's it's to find that next North Star. That's the, the next mission. Absolutely. A lot of wisdom in there, especially for being in your 30s, as I'm now rounding up the end of my 40s. And, and this the changing, that, that ebb and flow of who you are, what your identity is, and what your passion is. You have to be okay with that. That's not a changing of who you are. It's changing. A, it, it's more of a changing of how you're going to operate and what's mm-hmm. fueling you, right? Like, I love doing business, but there's a point now where I'm like, you know, I'm going to continue to do business, never going to stop, but I really want to focus in on helping people with their marriage. Mm-hmm. Like that's really like, so you start to, your, your, your vision kind of focals comes in different focal lengths, depending on where you're at in life. Right. So I think it's, that's very, those are words of wisdom. Something that you wrote, uh, in the pre-interview stage on there was how how faith plays a role in what you do and I don't have any idea where you're coming at from that but that's been a conversation that's been pretty strong in the podcast over the last six months and I've talked a lot about where my faith plays a role and how incredibly important that is in my business in my home anything I do it's my foundation I have no no clue where you stand so I'm opening it up and I'd love to hear about that yeah I think the the faith has yeah going back to my I'll start from where I grew up so my family was very I guess you'd say religious and grew up in a Christian home um, and going through going to church every weekend and uh, all of that I went to a Christian college for just a little bit before I shipped out to the Navy and I was in that that time of you know just being surrounded by a, by faith faith-based uh, learning and Christians and all that, which is great. However, I was not prepared. I'm going to take a little different route with some, and some people might go with this. I was not prepared for life, not being around, surrounded by Christians. Right. So, and this is a really big thing. So if you have, so I, I had a weird background, not, I guess it would be weird now, but I was homeschooled through my entire upbringing all the way through high school. I was homeschooled and that's great. I think a lot of people understand homeschooling now, but back then it was kind of like, Hey, you're weird. You're odd that you're homeschooled. And it, it, it was fine for me. I enjoyed it. However, I was in this small group of people who are very, very Christian and religious. And there was a lot of rules and regulations and it's all done. They're using the rules of Christianity and religion to kind of like make, keep you in the box basically. Mm-hmm. And you were just not prepared for life outside of that. So going the, the big shift we're going from that environment to then shipping out to being the Navy and going into the SEAL teams was so different that I basically became a whole different person when I left for the Navy. And initially it was, it was a big shock to me. It was hard for me to go from just being around Christians because that's what, how my parents raised me to then being completely opposite to that and being in that environment. And I had to really grow in and figure out what my faith meant to me and what that was like. And if, if this is just a religion or this is a relationship, 
what is this going to look like in my, in my early twenties? And I, through my early twenties as a, as a seal, I was a brand new guy in the seal teams. You're going to put under a lot of stress and a lot of different challenging situations where you're going to be tested. They are going to find they Everybody knows that you're a Christian. It's, it's going to come out because you're going to be like, Hey, I'm not going to strip clubs. I'm not going to go drinking. I'm going to be the designated driver, whatever it might be. It's going to come out. You have these stance that you're going to try to take. And initially I was not perfect. I was not that guy who was like, Hey, I was a Christian and this is where I'm going to stand. And this is how it's going to go for me. I, my boundaries got washed away. I was not prepared. I, my boundaries got washed away and I did a lot of things as a seal that pretty much almost destroyed my marriage in 2011. I almost got a divorce and it was, it was, it was rough. And it was because I did not have my own boundaries created. I did not have faith in its correct place. But after I had been through that experience of figuring out who God is and what he means to me, and is this relationship or a religion? And then especially going into that, almost getting divorced in 2011, it was, okay, what does this mean? And what is it going to look like moving forward? And that was a big shift for me. And ever since then, faith has played a huge role in keeping me on track. And it's turned into not just a religion, but this is a relationship I have with God moving forward. And um, I think that's what I'm trying to do now for my kids too, is like help them understand its relationship and the religion part of it. I'm trying to keep it where it's like, Hey, the rules and regulations and the guilt and the shame and all that, that we have a tendency to kind of place on younger people. It's not serving them. It's not going to serve them in the future. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't have anything to add to it. I think it's, I like it, it may, it's, it's very much in alignment. It's very hard to explain to people. I grew up with kids like you. Like I was friends. I, I went public school. I was exposed to all of it. I was not in the same shoes, but I, my biggest friend group outside of my regular school group was Christian school kids. And they were very, very sheltered. They are all expected to stay together. And it was wheels off when they left school, when they left home, it was craziness. Mm-hmm. But there, the separation in religion and relationship is the real differentiator. And I think it, we have a duty, if that's your belief system, which it is mine, it is yours, that we now change the way that maybe we were brought up and, and really focus on that relationship, the foundation. and the and Because this living uh, and guilt and, you know, fire and hailstone and all that stuff is serving nobody It's serving it's nobody. And it's really not the, it's not the point. It never was. It's just perverted. Yeah. It has destroyed a bunch of relationships and a lot of families have, I saw just got the, the kids had, what didn't want to have anything to do with their parents after they were done with high school, they just left and they didn't want to talk to their parents ever again because of how they were placed under this guilt system Mm-hmm. And it did not serve them. So I was trying to be real careful with my kids. Now I've got two boys and when I'm raising them, I'm trying not to do that same thing because I've seen it be very, very harmful. And we go to church, we take our boys and they're, they're in that experience. They get to learn about God. And I, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And that's what I want my boys to learn as well. 
but I don't want to use any of the stuff that was forced down my throat when I was growing up because it did not serve me. And I saw it destroy so many families. Um, That being said, when I was going through hell week, when I was going through buds, you know, I was a Christian. I became a Christian when I was seven years old. So when I was going through buds, I, my faith was massive in helping me be successful. So literally I had a, you wear a hat with a little shot line attached to your shirt. So when you go in the surf zone, uh, your hat, if you, your hat flies off, it's going to be held onto you because you got tied to you. It's a little shot line. And on my hat, I had some Bible verses put up in the, in the visor of it. And, um, I had my girlfriend's name in there and I had a few other things like my, why, like why I'm going to go through hell week, what's going to pull me through. And there were Bible verses put up in there that rem- helped me remind, remind myself of why I was doing what I was going to do. And my, um, and my grandparents on both sides were Christians. My, um, my grandfather on my, my mom's dad, he was actually in a concentration camp during world war two in Japan. And he was another big part of my why. And he was a Christian. I remember standing in church with him when he could barely stand and he would always stand for the hymns whenever, whenever we would be there in church and he would stand for the hymns. So I had this really great foundation and I trust and believe and I have faith in God. However, I had to make it my own, you know, you have to, you have to make it your own because if you have it, if it's the faith and and relationship that your parents have, that's their thing. You have to find out what it means for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I would like to see for my kids too. Eventually when they get old enough is, is to make it their own. What does that mean for them? And, and, and right now I have 15 year old and 18 year old. I'm, I'm ahead of you quite a bit boys, both boys. And I'm watching this unfold. I'm watching a relationship and like what that means for them and the journey and the foundation that's been built kind of on what you're talking about. And it works mm-hmm. because they're, they're, they're critical thinkers. They understand and they're coming full circle. They're like, yeah, well, this makes sense. My life's a lot better when I have a foundation in this belief system. However, like they're not under that rigid rule because I saw that backfire so bad, so bad. I don't, I like the stories are, are crazy. Um, I was curious. I had no idea. So I'm, I'm glad I asked. Uh, we've been going for, for uh, <laughs> just under an hour and uh, I, it's just incredibly encouraging to hear somebody that it has found their place and is going at it and is crushing it and has found who they're serving because they believed in something and they, they planted their flag in it. You being, you planted your flag in this and, and put it all on the line and look at where you're going, which is awesome. You pretty much only work with people wanting to go into special forces. Mostly right now. Yeah. yeah. It's I, incredible. In the future, I'd like to open that up to more, more mm-hmm. folks. And that's what I'm planning on doing later this year. But as of right now, that's our, our main our main goal is to help train the next generation of warriors. That's I have, I hired a, a bunch of coaches actually. So I am, I'm the founder of our programming, but I have three other coaches. Two of them are former buds instructor as well. And then I have a nutrition coach. And so all four of us work with our clients to make sure they're prepared and they're as prepared as they can be. So whenever they decide to go and show up to their pipeline, they have the skills and the tools and they're physically and mentally ready to face whatever they're going to come up against. And there's, and there's some really good people out there that really, they should, if they have all the tools, they should become a, a special forces operator or Navy SEAL, but a lot of them just don't have the right training. And so that's where I come in. I just want to help them so that they awesome. can train. Yeah. 
That's incredible. Uh, Josiah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm, there's so many more things we could talk about. Yes, sir. <laughs> we just scratched the surface, but I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. Yes, sir, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Uh, like, If you know somebody training or wanting to train for special forces, like, get into those show notes, check out the links and share them with those folks. Or if you're somebody, reach out to Josiah. I have no doubt that his program is incredible just by the fact that it's grown and he has three coaches says everything. And then, I mean, obviously if you just listen to this guy, you get it, he gets it. So uh, I would encourage you to pass that information on or use it yourself. And uh, Josiah, I'll be watching for what you're doing and I'm, I'm really pumped. And Hey everybody, if you enjoyed this, make sure you leave a or don't leave a message. You can leave me a message anytime you want, but uh, leave a review rating, subscribe, and we'll, continue to bring more men talking about the amazing things they're doing in their lives, in their family, in their businesses, and in their community. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.